the defeat of murmuring, the defeat of murmuring. I want you to think about a, a statement, if you would, please. Trust releases us to gain power beyond our measure. Trust releases us to gain power beyond our measure. Let me give you an instance of that. My favorite football team in the NFL is the New England Patriots. Some of you probably think I'm a loser for that, but hey, they're the winners. They won the Super Bowl. The New England Patriots must play as a team in order to win the Super Bowl. Does anybody disagree with that statement? No, because if Tom Brady was the only person playing, he would lose the game. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's the fact of the matter. And so trust releases us to gain power beyond our measure. If it was just Tom Brady, then he would not be able to win a game. But as he trusts his running backs, as he trusts his offensive line, as he trusts his wide receivers and his tight ends, those are the things that allow him to gain another Super Bowl ring. Trust releases us to gain power beyond beyond our measure. Last week, we spent some time and we looked at the division that Korah, Dathan, and Abiram brought. These are three men that brought uh, an accusation against Moses and against Aaron and say, ye take too much upon yourself. We saw that pressure eliminates indifference. Pressure eliminates indifference. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram challenged the authority of God. They said, listen, we don't think that you are in the right place. We are going to take what you want and what you have, uh, what God has placed in authority, and we are going to try to take that away. And they did that because of pride. This prompted the people to choose a side. So there's pressure that will eliminate indifference. And then God, we saw, eliminates sin. The earth opens up and swallows up those three men and all of their families. And then we see God perform uh, a plague and bring that upon the children of Israel. And we saw Aaron run through the camp and try to stay the plague of God. And this is where we pick up the story in Numbers chapter 17. If you'll look with me in verse 1, the Bible says this. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and take of every one of Israel, excuse me, and take of every one of them a rod according to the house of their fathers. Of all their princes, according to the house of their fathers, twelve rods. So every tribe is to take a rod. Okay? Every tribe gets a rod. Write thou every man's name upon his rod. So write the name on the rod so that everybody knows whose rod is whose. And thou shalt write Aaron's name upon the rod of Levi. For one rod shall be for the head of the house of their fathers. And thou shalt lay them up in the tabernacle of the congregation before the testimony where I will meet with you. And it shall come to pass that the man's rod, whom I shall choose, shall blossom. And I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. Moses spake unto the children of Israel, and every one of their princes gave him a rod apiece, for each prince one according to their father's houses, even twelve rods, and the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses laid up the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here this morning. Father, I thank you for the wonderful um, opportunity it is to be here, wonderful opportunity it is to serve you in a place. Father, and I thank you for these people that have come. Father, it is, in our opinion, the most important time of this service 
and that's opening your word. And Father, I pray that your word would speak. Father, I pray that you would hold my tongue where you want it to be held, and Father, that you would open it where you want it to be open. And Father, I pray that your will would be done here in this place this morning. And Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Very simply, I want to preach to you the defeat of murmuring. If you'll notice there in verse 5, God says, And I will make to cease from me the murmurings of the children of Israel, whereby they murmur against you. So he says, listen, I'm, I'm going to do something here that is going to push away all murmurings. I will not have any more murmurings among my people. This is it. And as we looked last week, we saw God choosing a side. God said, no, I am going to set aside Moses and Aaron. They are going to be the ones. Korah, Dathan, of Abiram? No, I'm sorry, it's not you. They were swallowed up in the earth. And so God chose a side last week. And so this week, God's going to put away from them the murmuring of the children of Israel. The contest is very simple. Everybody brings a rod. And everybody's rod is written on their name. Once the name is written on, then they will bring it to the tabernacle of God and they will place it inside. And whoever rod blossoms, that's the one that I have chosen. It's very simple. Nothing too incredible about it. But the whole purpose of it was to defeat the murmuring. The first thing I want you to notice this morning is the definition. The definition. Well, what is murmuring? What is it? Well, Strong's Dictionary describes it as this. To stop, usually overnight. By implication, to stay permanently, hence in a bad sense. To be obstinate, especially in words, to complain. Most of us would define murmuring as complaining. But that's not, that's not all that it means. It means that it, it, it's stopping them. It's halting them. It's keeping them in a place. But how is it doing that? I want to give you my definition, if you'll allow me. This is from Yeoman's Dictionary, all right? It's, it, this is what I think it is. It is complaining to your peers because of a distrust of leadership. Complaining to your peers because of a distrust of leadership. Now you say, Pastor Jones, where in the world did you get that definition? I want to show you, if you don't mind. Okay, so we're going to go through very, very, very quickly. In Exodus chapter 15, you don't have to turn there, but up until this point, here in Numbers chapter 17, up until this point, the children of Israel have done a lot of murmuring. We see the word murmur happen an awful lot. Exodus chapter 15 is, I believe, the first place we see the word murmur. And they murmur for one reason only. Because the waters at Marah were bitter. These waters, they're bitter. We can't even drink out of them. What, have you brought us up out of the land of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? Well, no. And then Moses throws in the stick. And the stick changes the water into something that they can drink. Then Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16, they murmur because there was nothing to eat. And then God gives them manna and quail to eat. Again, they come before Moses and Aaron. They murmur against them. What? Have you brought us up out of Egypt? We used to have leeks and garlics and everything that we wanted. And now here we are with nothing to eat. Exodus chapter 17. They murmur because, again, there's no water. The solution? Moses gets to smack a rock. He smacks a rock with his rod and out comes water. Again, the same thing happens. They say, what? Have you brought us up out of Egypt to destroy us here in the wilderness? We have nothing to drink. And they murmur against the leadership. Numbers 14, which we've spent some time in already in this, in this time, they murmur after they hear the ten spies' evil report. 
Ten spies go, 12 spies go into Canaan, and they search the land. Ten come back and say, listen, it's not good. We can't go up in there. They're too strong for us. And then what do they do? They murmur against the leadership that is in place at this time. Numbers chapter 16, which is what we looked at last week. At the end of everything that happened with Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, the children of Israel murmur against Moses and Aaron and say, ye have killed the people of the Lord. Remember that from last week? You guys killed the people of the Lord. What were you thinking? And they murmur against them. And then we have here in Numbers chapter 17 where God says the murmuring will cease. I'm going to put aside it. And so this is why I believe this is the definition. It is complaining to your peers because of a distrust of leadership. You know what they did every time? They would say something about Moses and Aaron, and say, accuse them of something and say, your leadership is not correct. And then they would go and they would talk amongst them. The Bible uses, they said they murmured in their tents. And so they're talking about it to their family members and they're talking about it to their friends and they're talking about it to their neighbors. Do you, you guys know what Moses and Aaron, what, what do they think they're doing? And they're constantly murmuring to their peers against the leadership. But where does murmuring come from? Where does murmuring come from? Well, I believe, again, as we've looked at several times, it stems from pride. From pride. I want what I want. We just saw a group of people that thought they could match up. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. They said, listen, listen, you guys aren't as good as you think you are. We can do the same things. We're just as good. They thought they were better than Moses and Aaron. So it stems from pride, but I think that there's another aspect of it. I think there's an absence of understanding. So not only does it stem from pride, listen, I think I can do it better, but I think they just don't understand what's going on. And so this is why murmuring tends to happen. They just don't simply understand something. They're blind to it. Let me illustrate. You're driving down the 401. Everybody picture this with me because everybody loves driving down the 401, right? Especially in Toronto. It's so amazing. Ugh driving down the 401, and you see a lineup of cars. Your favorite thing in the world. Oh, I'm in no rush to get anywhere. I just want to sit here in traffic all day long, smell the fumes of the car in front of me. It's going to be wonderful. You don't want to sit in traffic. You slowly creep forward for a while, and before long, you notice the cause of the slowdown is simply construction. Happens all the time. You begin processing everything that goes on, and you begin to think to yourself this. These people are so dumb. Like, you're looking at these construction workers going, what in the world? If you guys knew what, I mean, you guys have no idea what you're doing. You're like, why are you breaking up that side? Why, why are you shutting off the entire highway so you can fix this bridge? What are you doing? And you begin to think, if I was in charge, you guys have all done this, haven't you? If I was in charge, I would do things this way. And you did all of that in the 30 seconds that it took you to drive by that. You figured the entire thing out in 30 seconds. Oh, no, these guys haven't spent years on engineering and thinking through things. No, no, no. I mean, they just showed up one day and said, hey, let's start digging here. Right? You see, there's a lack of understanding. We, we, we don't understand that they actually know what they're doing. Would you do things differently? 100% you would do things differently. But the fact of the matter is you just don't understand. So there's that option. Let me illustrate further. 
politics. Oh, boy. These politicians, I tell you what, they have no idea how to run a country. If I was in charge of the country, we wouldn't have these problems, right? Pride. And I love how people say that after watching a two-minute news bulletin. Oh, yeah. And the media always gives you all the information, right? Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I'm not trying to say that, yes, I agree with everything that everybody ever does. I'm not trying to say that. But we, this is how we think. This is how I think. Man, I could fix that in just two minutes. It would be so easy. Sports. Anybody ever met an armchair quarterback? If I was the coach, if I was the quarterback, how, how can he not see that? I mean, there's only 22 people on the field. How can he not see that that guy's wide open? And so you begin to armchair quarterback, and you begin to think, I'm watching this tiny little box in front of me, and I know everything. You don't realize, you don't understand that the coaches and the quarterbacks and the team have spent all week studying the other team. You see what I'm saying? There's, there's pride, and then there's just a lack of understanding. You don't get it. You don't understand why they do what they do. And here we are, this is what murmuring is. It, it, it stems from a lack of pride. And these children of Israel, they're like, listen, we don't, we don't trust you. We think we could do a better job. And really, by far, they don't understand. They have no idea what's going on. They don't see that God provided manna for them. They don't see that God's provided water for them. They don't understand it. They don't get it. They don't, they don't see what's going on. We are so guilty of murmuring in every way, shape, and form. It happens all the time. And it's pride and arrogance, and it's an absence of understanding. But let me ask you this question. Why were they murmuring? Why were the children of Israel murmuring? Why were they complaining against the leadership? Why were they thinking about these things? Why were they going this way? Didn't they know God? Didn't they spend time with God? Didn't they just see God work? Don't they know enough to just trust God? Well, let's hypothesize for a few minutes, shall we? I think that the children of Israel have just come out of 400 years of slavery. Okay? What do you do when you're enslaved? You do what you're told, right? Do you think that if you were enslaved, you would murmur against the leadership? Every single day, you're getting yelled at. Every single day, you're probably being beaten with a whip. Every single day, you have to make brick. Every single day, for 400 years, you now have this person lording over. Do you ever think that they went home and they said to their wife, Man, this guy was just irate today. Man, if I was to... You can picture it. You can picture what you would say. And you, I mean, you can picture what you say about your boss. Right? And this is enslaved. And here's another thing to think about. Every single need that they have, every single need was met. They had food. They had water. That's pretty much it. They had a house, houses in Goshen. That's all they had. Now, did the people of, of Egypt care about these people? Probably not. Were they giving them the best homes? Were they giving them the, the most wonderful things of life? Probably not. All they wanted them for was a workforce. So they fed them and they gave them drink just to keep them going so that they could have a workforce. And anybody that got sick or got elderly, they probably just beat to death because they didn't want that, in, that 
obstacle in the way. You know, you have all these things that are running through your mind. For 400 years, they were like this. Their leadership was corrupt. They were probably scolded on more than one occasion. And I would assume that every time they had an opportunity to sit down, they would lean over to their buddy, lean over to their wife, lean over to their friends and say, listen, can you believe we're in this situation? Can you believe what they're doing to us? And begin to murmur. They did not trust their leadership. They did not trust that, oh, the taskmasters of Egypt, they have our best interest in mind, right? No, no, they never thought that. They murmured against them. And so God in this moment has obviously continued to provide for them. And God has obviously proven himself time and time and time again up until this point. Cross the Red Sea. Get three days into the wilderness and there's Mara. There's the water that's bitter. They get a little bit further and there's no food. They get a little bit further. There's no water again. They get a little bit further and there's all these things that God just continues to do and continues to do but realize they're only a couple months out of Egypt. So if I'm, I'm just trying to be reasonable. Why are they doing this? Because for 400 years, they've been enslaved. God has been providing for them, but there is still distrust. They still just don't understand. And this distrust has led to the second point, the defeat. The defeat. Do you realize that distrust will always affect conquering? This is, this is our series, Conquer Through Christ. Do you realize that distrust will always affect conquering? Let me illustrate. Where there is no trust, there is no conquering. Imagine you are in the Canadian Armed Forces. You are an infantryman. You're on the ground. You are in a battle in World War II, and you're in the trenches. You're spending time in the trenches, and you're popping your head up every once in a while to see what's going on. Your commanding officer, a young, slightly ambitious man, gives your unit an order to jump out of these trenches and move up to the next trenches to help that unit that's in trouble. And you look at your buddies and say, who does this guy think he is? I ain't going out there. Now, how well do you think the Canadian Armed Forces would do in a war if that's all that happened? You see, there needs to be a trust of the commanding officer. If there's no trust, there will be no conquering. If every person in the entire Canadian Armed Forces, in all of the Allied Forces in World War II, had that attitude, they would not have stormed the beaches at Normandy. Wouldn't have happened. Those things would never have happened because there would be no trust. You cannot conquer without trust. Where there is no trust, there is no conquering. And that's exactly where we are. They did not get into the land. They did not conquer the land that God had promised them because they simply did not trust. They did not trust. And they murmured against it. And they didn't trust and they complained about it to their peers. The children of Israel are defeated but number three, I want you to see their direction. You see, their direction needs to change. Their direction needs to change. They're going down a pathway of distrust. And probably rightfully so. 400 years of slavery, you kind of get into a, a routine after 400 years. 
We're trying to get people into a routine of praying for our church, and that takes 66 days. Now, add 400 years to that. You'd get kind of into a little bit of a rut, wouldn't you? And so this is where they are. But they need to change their direction from murmuring to trusting. We already saw last week how God rectifies sin. Ground opens up. But you know what I believe? If murmuring stems from pride, and murmuring stems from really a lack of understanding, then what needs to happen? I believe they need to be taught. They need to be taught. So let's look at this. Let's see what God does. Numbers chapter 17 and verse 8. The Bible says, And it came to pass that on the morrow, Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron for the house of Levi was budded and brought forth buds and bloomed blossoms and yielded almonds. And Moses brought out all the rods from before the Lord unto all the children of Israel, and they looked and took every man his rod. And the Lord said unto Moses, Bring Aaron's rod again before the testimony to be kept. Watch this. For a token against the rebels. And thou shalt quite take away their murmurings from me, that they die not. And Moses did so as the Lord commanded him. So did so here's the story very simply what was the promise of god first of all the promise of god was that whoever i choose that rod will blossom do you notice what happened the rod budded the rod blossomed and it produced almonds now what is what kind of rod are we talking about here this is a dried up old probably shepherd's rod or some sort of walking stick it's not a green one that they just cut down and said, yeah, let's see if this one will bud. No, these are old, dried up, nothing is going to grow from them ever again. Hello, folks, this is a miracle. But God always does things just a little bit better than we think he should do. If it would have just grown one bud, would you not go, whoa, that's impressive. No, it, it not only grows one bud, it blossoms. And we know that a tree will blossom long before it produces fruit. Years, in fact, and yet this time, it not only blossoms, in one night, it starts producing almonds. Now, this is an incredible miracle of God, but God is doing something here. God is teaching them something. He's saying, listen, pay attention. There is a new leadership in town. I am not like the old leadership. I am not like the children of Israel, or children of Egypt, excuse me. I am not like those people. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to whip you. I'm not going to beat you into doing something. I want you to love me. I want you to trust me. I want you, I want to give you the very best. He says, listen, I want to give you a land that's flowing with milk and honey. I want to give you something that's spectacular. Do you deserve it? No, absolutely not. But I am your God and I want you to be my people. I will provide for you. I will give you over and above that which you need. I'm your wonderful redeemer. I brought you out of the land of Egypt. I have brought you into a land that will flow with milk and honey, would you please, please just trust me? This wasn't easy for the children of Israel. 
They had spent 400 years. Again, this is, this is why it's logical. They had spent 400 years of distrust. Their fathers distrusted the leadership. Now they're distrusting leadership. Their children, they've taught to distrust leadership. And here they are with good, proper, fulfilling leadership, and they don't trust him. God's saying, listen, I want you to trust me. I'm providing for you. I'm giving to you. I'm, I'm showing you what you need, and I'm going to give you above and beyond that. But it wasn't easy for them. Look at the end of the passage. Verse 12, their response to this. And the children of Israel spake unto Moses, saying, Behold, we die. We perish. We all perish. Whosoever cometh anything near unto the tabernacle of the Lord shall die. Shall we be consumed with dying? So this is their, this is their theory. <laughs> I guess we're all just going to die then. Well, we're just all going to die. If you're saying that I have to trust God, and this is the leadership that, that God has placed in front of us, I guess we're all just going to die. We're going to be consumed with dying. We can't even go near the tabernacle anymore. We're just going to be dead. We're just going to die. And they're, they're, all they can think about is, I'm going to die. Now, why in the world would they say this? Is that true? No, it's not true. Why are they saying this? You know, this is honestly what I believe. I believe they had to relinquish control. They were so used to controlling the things that they needed to control. Listen, we are so used to controlling the things that we need to control. We think, well, I need some more money, so I'm going to work a little harder. My children are not what I think they should be, so I'm going to get on them a little bit more. My marriage isn't quite what it should be, so I need to work harder at that. And folks, listen, I'm not against working harder and doing better. I think we need to. But the fact of the matter is, we need to relinquish control. Give it up. Don't have control anymore. Just say, God, if I'm going to conquer, it has to be done through you. This was very difficult for the children of Israel. But I do want you to notice this. You study your Bible, and you will find out that the children of Israel never murmur again. Never. I'll tell you this, they complain again. Numbers chapter 20, we'll look at it in a couple weeks. They start complaining again that there's no water. But you know what they don't do? They go to God. This is what they do, do actually. They go to God and say, God, we need water. And God provides it to them. The Bible never uses the term murmur for the children of Israel again in this sense. They complain, absolutely. They're not, we're not going to say they're perfect. But God relinquished, or excuse me, defeats murmuring because he showed them who it was that was their provider. No, let's apply this. There might be someone in here that's currently living in slavery to sin. The Bible says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. When you're dead, you are a slave to sin. Sin may be giving you everything that you need. You may be getting along. But God wants to free you from that slavery. 
He doesn't want to just let you survive. He wants you to thrive. I am come that you might have life, but not just life, but that you might have it more abundantly. God doesn't want you just to have life. He doesn't want you just to go through this life and say, yeah, I'm good. I'm, I'm getting my needs met and I'm doing these things. No, he says, I want to give you something greater. I want you to conquer everything that you come in front of, but you're going to have to trust me. And so if you're a slave to sin, we need to understand that we need Jesus Christ. You think that we are happy now. We think that we can enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, but God wants to give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. There may be some here today that need to quit trusting themselves to provide all their needs. Get out of slavery to sin. Quit trusting yourself. You can make it to heaven your own way because you can't. It has to be done through Christ. For those that might be saved, do we not have a still a tendency to live like we need to control everything? Or am I just the only one standing up here saying, I have a problem with that. I don't know how, when I was four years old, I could relinquish control of my eternal salvation. But when I'm 30 years old, I have to control little aspects of my life. And when I don't like something that goes on, you know what I do? God, what in the world are you doing? And I murmur. I even say to other people sometimes, I just wonder what God's doing. We have a tendency to not trust can I say this? We will never, 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 never conquer until we see God as provider, until we see God as the almighty God who he really is, until we say, I'm going to put my trust in him in every, in every circumstance. God, I'm going to try as hard as I can, but I'm trusting you in my marriage. I'm trusting you with my children. I'm trusting you with my finances. I'm trusting you. I don't know what position you're in. I'm not sure what you're trying to conquer in your life, but you will never conquer on your own. You must do it through Christ. Relinquish control. Quit murmuring about God and what he's doing and allow him to do what he's doing and just say, God, mold me. God, shape me. God, fix me. Because it's me that's the problem. It's me that's the problem. And that's what I love about the story of the children of Israel. Is now, now they're beginning to get the picture. It's been a frustrating road up until this point. But God says, I will have no more murmuring. And he proves it to them by teaching them who he is. Would you let this message be a starting point of you trusting God? Let this be the rod that buds for you. I thought about bringing sticks in with things on it. Thought that might be a little bit hard to put in your Bible. That's what I'm talking about. You need some, th this rod of Aaron's was kept for what reason? As a reminder. As a reminder of from these rebels, the Bible says. And it will stay here. And we, we know that it gets put in the Ark of the Covenant and, and it stays there for a reminder. That murmuring is no longer allowed and it's, it's no longer relevant. 
because we know who our God is. And so, folks, if you are slave to sin, then I challenge you, let Christ free you. And if you say, I'm still trying to control things in my life, I've already been freed from sin, but I have this tendency to control things in my life, and I can't conquer, I just can't seem to get over it, then relinquish it to God. Today as a group of people, let's get rid of murmuring and let's start conquering. Because trust releases us to gain power beyond our measure. When I trust God, it's almost as if there's this power that I never knew before, that I couldn't drum up in my own being, but it's because of God. And you will see yourself begin conquering things that you thought you could never conquer.